Today we had on Florida real estate legend Shane Bergman. He talks about how he went from being a nuclear missile technician to sitting open houses, how his team does over $75 million a year in real estate, and how he's implemented his skills from the Navy into his real estate business. The Broke Agent presents Over Ask Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Over Ask. Today we have a very, very special guest, Mr. Shane Bergman. 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 Our producer spelt it B-E-R-G-M-A-N, and then Shane had a fit because it's B-U-R-G-M-A-N. And uh, Shane had a fit. Before we get into this, Shane, I just want you to know, uh, I was supposed to have all my brand new appliances delivered today, and I canceled it for right now for this podcast. So just no pressure, but, you know, bring the heat. That's an honor, Matthew. I I appreciate that. And uh, it means the world to me, dude. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you don't bring the heat, I'm going to be pissed. So Shane, you're a top point, top 0.1% Florida realtor with Compass, same uh, same brokerage as Eric there, a husband and a father, a U.S. Navy submarine veteran, a gold Addy. Not sure what that is, but uh, Shane, thanks so much for being on the program. Yeah, no, I appreciate you guys uh, <laughs> reaching out and, and allowing me to share the platform with you. I've been a, a follower for quite a while, and it's something that uh, it, it is truly an honor to be with you guys on this it's kind of a different take because normally it's like on the other side where i'm watching you guys and then your guests and actually like standing here with you is just pretty awesome so thank you of course um so let's get into it for people who may not know you can you kind of give us your elevator pitch real quick (laughs) yeah um it's it's a tough one so a lot a lot of thoughts have kind of been in my head about how how is the best way to introduce myself to someone that has no idea who I am. And I think that what I always go back to is real estate is a really fascinating industry because most of us that do real estate have done other things before real estate. And I think that's what builds the character of who we are as a realtor and then also how we you know, present ourselves in, in real life. So you kind of touched on some things. I am a, a family man. I'm some, I have two young boys, a three and a one and a half year old. I have a wife. And I, I served 10 years active duty in the United States Navy in the submarine force. So a very elite uh, branch of the of the Navy and something that has really, I think, carved the way that I operate and the way that I function in the real estate space. And then I've been able to take a lot of those skills and a lot of the way that I communicate and a lot of the systems that I operated with in the military and apply it to real estate. You are a nuclear mechanic right a nuclear technician on submarines so uh, yes so a missile technician on a missile technician submarine. okay so tell us kind of what that is and then how you get into real estate from working on uh nuclear submarines not nuclear submarines but you know mechanics well, they were nuclear submarines okay they were nuclear yes yeah so so it's a lot to unpack there and I could, I could literally talk about this for hours and i won't but um so we have a submarine force, which some most people are kind of aware that we have submarines, but they have no idea like the how many, and then also the capability of the submarines. Most people, when they think submarine, they're thinking hunt for Red October, and, they, and the submarine just you know shitting out of the water, and that's, that's exactly oh, what I submarine. think. Cool. <laughs> that's a class of submarine. That is a that is a submarine, but it is not all the submarines. And so I was on a, the opposite kind of submarine, where it was it's a ballistic submarine. They call them. They're longer. They're slower. They're not as agile, but they carry a shit ton of nuclear warheads on them. Uh, 24 missiles to be exact. Each missile 
can hold a lot of warheads. These are things I won't get into sensitive information about, but that what's makes that's that's why those submarines are different. So essentially, the largest defensive and deterrent uh, military force that the United States has is the submarine force, and I don't think people know that because our motto is the silent service. It's not only silent because we're in the depths of the ocean; you can't hear us when we approach, but also. People don't talk a lot about submarines because they're not that sexy. It doesn't seem like a really great atmosphere because it's not, but it's the main reason why there aren't other countries that want to fuck with us because we have so much payload and so much firepower to literally destroy the earth hundreds of times over. It's, it's, it's quite interesting. If you just, you can Google a lot of the information about the, the submarines we have and the warheads that one single warhead, the kind of destruction it can do. But it's it's very amazing stuff. And that was my my job for 10 years. So those were my babies, the warheads, the missiles. I worked on them. We would do test launches. We've never done a, a real launch because if we did, it would literally be a nuclear war and, and the, the earth would be destroyed. It would be a really bad day. Um, but we have this as, as a, essentially a deterrent to prevent other countries from declaring war on us because it's it's kind of like a, you know, that little... I don't big dick competition is what it is. So USA says we've got all this shit. If you want to fuck with us, this is what we have. Submarines it, also do look like dicks. So that is the perfect. <laughs> the uh, and the and the warheads are yeah. very phallic shaped. The the uh, the missile itself is is um. Do you guys follow space at all? Like, are you remotely familiar with? Kind I mean, of I know the planets. I, yeah, I look up at the stars every now and then. <laughs> yeah, then. you know Tucson actually, where we're both from, Shane is has one of the best observatories right because the sky is so clear in tucson so, so i did used to go to that not space museum but the u of a telescope mm. place on a mountain right no there's you see the at, northern lights from there eric probably that clear i don't know you could see <laughs> it's super know, clear I, I do miss the that Milky about way that. the desert it's, oh. it's amazing that's nice yeah so what about space Shane? well uh so i was making the comparison so like right now like where I live in Florida, it's the, called the Space Coast. Literally, our county is called the Space Coast. We have the Kennedy Space Center Visitor Complex. We have NASA over here. So we're launching rockets um, with satellites and other payloads almost weekly. It's it's one of those things we kind of take for granted. But I was trying to make the comparison to the, the same way that those are launched. It's the same way that a missile is launched. So it breaks out into phases. It's shot from under the water, which is the main difference between a, a you know a missile and and what we're shooting up into the space. But the science is essentially the same. So it, it was one of those I was trying to make a connection. If you guys followed space and understood that, but a lot of people don't understand how missiles work, especially when you're at 100 feet under the surface of the ocean. What are you talking about right now? <laughs> <laughs> we should get some like question bubbles or inner thoughts as he's yeah. talking. It's just like I start <laughs> muted out. Blah, blah, blah. Exactly. It is a super complex <laughs> subject. It's hard to kind of boil down to a couple idiots, um, but right. ultimately, <laughs> a so, couple of fools. Okay. So what you're saying though is like from your past career, real estate's a fucking walk in the park. I mean, there's Yeah, you went from protecting the realm of the world <laughs> to sitting open houses. What caused this transition? What made you want to do this? What so to go back to what Matt was saying, it, I it's all about perspective for me. So I know that what I did before real estate was much more difficult, was much more strenuous and was much more challenging, not only on my mind, but also on everyone else involved in my life. It's very difficult to have a family when you're in that kind of atmosphere because we're deployed so frequently and we could be deployed at any given moment. And then we come back and we're just supposed to like jump into the lives of our family. It's just, it's very, very challenging. So that perspective of that life into real estate, like even 
on a most stressful day in real estate, I'm always thinking, well, fuck, it could be a lot worse. And I'm always thinking about the days underway and how monotonous. And I mean, timing even on a submarine is, is irrelevant. It doesn't matter what time of day. I don't even need to carry a watch because it's the same routine all the time. So for me, it's all about perspective. So whether it was real estate or any other like job, I think I would have that same perspective and I would perform well at it because of perspective. If that so makes sense. yeah, it does. So your your first clients when you decide to get your real estate license, you are or are a military relocation uh, practitioner or professional, right? So is, is this where all your first clients came from? Is from people, um, you know, being not being deployed but going into different areas and however that works. You could word it way better than I can. That was yeah. a disastrous um, way. But <laughs> so my my actual first client was through an open house. I held an open house for my broker and um, like. I've always been into data and statistics and I knew I had about a 1% chance of, of scoring a buyer that I would be able to represent to sell that condo. And sure enough, I had three people come in and it was the second group that came through. She ended up buying this, this condo and it was about six months into my career. I had not had a sale before then. And at month six, I sold that condo. And then the rest of the six months ended up selling about 3 million in real estate. So like my career picked up, but it had some lag time. But after that first open house, a lot of it was from my sphere. So a lot of it was from military members that I had either served with, uh, you know, at the, the base where I separated from or in other parts of the country that were transferring to where I was at. Because the reason I'm here on the Space Coast is because of the military. The military transferred me here in 2011 to do a, a shore duty. So the Navy has a rotation of sea to shore. So you'll be deployed on a on a, like in sub in the sub world, we'd be on an active submarine for four or five years, and then we would rotate to a shore facility for three or four, and then do that until you retire or separate. So, so my second tour was here as a as a as a shore duty, but I would still be deployed a ton. We worked with the UK a lot, but we have a, a small navy installation here up at the Cape, so it's called Cape Canaveral. So I was stationed here. I spent my last almost five years active out of the Cape, and then I knew I wanted to to separate, and ended up separating from the Navy and then stayed here, planted roots. So, you know, have the kids, have the wife, but still there are people transferring here and the submarine community is very small. And, you know, it's, you have a reputation you either going to burn you or people are always going to use you. And I've fortunately had a really great reputation. And when I was in the service and then also being able to assist those men and women that are still serving as their real estate professional. So how do you get that designation? Do you like, is it given to you by the National Association of Realtors to be an MRP? Do you have to apply for it? Do you have to be a veteran? Like, how does that work? No. So is that one. Uh, so to get that alphabet soup on the back of my signature, the military relocation professional, um, that was a class through NAR. So I can't remember how many hours it was, but you essentially take that class, take a test, and then they give you the accreditation or the designation of that. There are a lot of agents, like next time you get, a, get an email or an offer from an agent, look at their signature because people love to brag about APR, older person specialist, buyer specialist, listing specialist, whatever it is. For me, I don't really care about all those. The military one was the designation I really wanted because of the logo. And then also just kind of reconfirming to the people I work with that I am the best fit for you if you are in the military. There's an older person specialist? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I do. I do not want that. No, who, no. who sounds insane. In Florida, so, I feel like that would work. Actually, that's very true. Um, so kind of walk us through your first year. You separate, you get into real estate. What are you doing that first year to generate business? And like, what, what are you doing? Any lead gen? Is it just all people you had already known? How does that, what does that look like? So, so first year was kind of, 
I think like most new real estate agents where you're not really like sure what to do. Right. So um, at that time, so this was in 2015 when I got my license, um, I went through a training program that was the first of my uh, form. It was my first brokerage. I was a Remax agent for a couple of years. They created a training program for me. And basically I, I shadowed uh, another agent that was successful and, and he taught me how to write deals, how to kind of prospect, but not a lot. And then just how to understand the contracts. But my broker kept telling me, you know, there are th three ways to generate business. It's, it's uh, cold calling, door knocking, pop buys. And I'm like, what the fuck does that even mean? And so then she's like, oh, yeah, you just go knock on a random stranger's door and see if they want to buy or sell. There were scripts. Back then, it was like Mike Ferry. I remember having a, uh, which is Tom's father, if you guys didn't know that. I had this. Uh, we did. We, yeah, we, we know. We're not completely. Yeah. We don't know about space. We know yeah. fucking Tom Ferry's dad. Yeah, exactly. you know his we, don't, we don't know the moon <laughs> circulating around Uranus, okay? But we know who Tom Ferry's father is. <laughs> Uh, but I had CDs that I would listen to in my car and I was listening to Mike Ferry about his scripts and all this shit. And I, and I did it. I, I would uh, canvas my old neighborhood and I would walk, you know, door to door and I would, you know, kind of like give them a script like, Hey, you know, I just moved to the area. If you know anyone looking to buy or sell, whatever, whatever the script was at the time. And then I would hold a shit ton of open houses. And I did that for several months. And at the same time, I also purchased a um, real estate sign business. So I, I purchased this company where, you know, the, the signs they put in the front yard where you, you dig the hole and you got that sign. There's actually a service that offers that. Uh, so I bought a company and I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to buy this company. I'm also going to install signs and I'll do real estate. And then I'll probably catch a buyer that's coming through. They're seeing me put that sign in the yard, you know. Long story short, that never happened. But the best thing that happened during that business is that I would drive around a lot. I had this old Toyota T100, which was like the predecessor to the Tundra, badass truck. And I would put the posts in the back of my truck and all these sign panels, and I would fly through podcasts. And I finally stumbled upon this podcast uh, by Ryan Fletcher. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He was a former copywriter. He, um, he, <laughs> he, he did this real estate podcast called Agent Marketing Syndicate. And I started listening to it and it, it just captured me. It's one of those things that I, I bought, I buy his books and I was one of those like, oh man, I can't share this with anyone because there's so many gems in here. It was so good. It was such a different approach to what Mike Fair and all these other, the guru parties were offering. And, and Ryan Fletcher has a big problem with the, he calls them the guru party. So he refers to Tom Ferry, Mike Ferry as the guru party. The guys that are like saying the same shit, make your calls. Like Ryan's like, fuck that. There's just such a better and different way for other people. And then that book really gave me the confidence and the uh, encouragement to to find these other ways to do it. And some of the first things I started doing was I, I created a newsletter, which was something Ryan talked a lot about in the podcast. He talked about building a community and talked about just being different, like being someone that you can view and someone's like, that guy's doing something different. I either align with it or don't. And that was something that resonated with me because that's a lot like my personality. I'm, I'm, you either love me or hate me. It's There's not much in between for most people. And at that point is when I essentially got really into to video and doing things as far as content to create my community. To be clear, you are a Tom Ferry coaching client now. <laughs> I, am, I am. Okay. Absolutely. Just, just making sure. We'll touch into that too. I know. I think <laughs> yeah. Jason Pantana is your coach. A ton of respect for Tom Ferry, Jason Pantana, yeah, that whole crew. Yeah. But it's, yeah. it's very ironic, I think, that one of the first real estate podcasts I ever listened to was someone that was anti that party. But now yeah. I can see, I can appreciate both, and I've merged them both. So we, we just talked to Ken Pozak, who has an eighteen thousand person email list that he's developed in like a year just from YouTube. So yeah. what was your initial email like that you were sending out, and how were you 
getting people besides just the open houses and you know clients you've spoken to? So at the time we had a, it was still at Remax, and I can't remember the the lead generator they had, but essentially I was building out kind of a, a database, and then I also had taken every person that I knew and, and asked them for their email and added them to this Mailchimp uh, email list. Started off with like 150 people, and and it grew slowly over time, but I had and ended up ending that list around eight or nine hundred people, and I did this for two years straight, where every morning at five o'clock I'd go to Starbucks and I would. I was the first one there always. I'd bring my computer and I would just write. I would write content about my life. And I, I would structure the bulletin. I call it the Bergman Bulletin. I love alliteration. But I would essentially talk a little bit about real estate and a lot about my life and my family and current events and things that are happening. And then I would also give some advice on uh, restaurants and things to do for people that didn't really know the area. And I published that every week. And the open rate was incredibly high. I was always averaging between 40 and 50%. So for a real estate agent to do a newsletter, I think the open rate on average is less than 20%. It's like 18, I believe. So I had extremely high open rate and tons of responses. And it just allowed me to kind of build connections and relationships with people that I didn't really care if they were looking to buy or sell, but I was thinking long-term. You know, it was my first year in real estate. I had no expectation of these people working with me because I didn't know shit. And then also like I'm a long play kind of guy. So it, now, you know, seven years in the real estate, I'm doing deals with people that I initially started talking to seven years ago through that newsletter. And then my list has also compounded exponentially as well as my, my volume and sales. So with this email, you, you said you were talking about stuff like personal stuff that was going on in your life. Are you mm -hmm. updating them on like what's going on with your family or just thoughts you had on the market? Like what aspect of your personal life are you including in these emails? Cause I've never heard that take before. Usually it's just the restaurants, the listings, but that's, a really cool aspect that probably made it way more personal. It made it extremely personal because I, the first people that knew that I, I proposed to my wife were my newsletter people. And then I put it on right. social. Right. Uh, the first people that knew that we were pregnant were, was my newsletter. And then, you know, of course, I family knew, but the second tier of people were through the newsletter. But anything like that, major milestones or just like thoughts that I had or things that I'm training for just, you know, I, I even started. Are you guys familiar with the platform Medium? Yeah. I used to so write I, on Medium. I used to write cryptocurrency <laughs> blogs on Medium. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. What happened to your crypto uh, portfolio? Yeah. Is that still that looking? going strong? Or? You know how it's going. All right. Keep, keep going. <laughs> um, but I've always been, uh, I, I liked writing about personal stuff. And I think what people understood was like, I'm naturally not a great writer. I write from my heart and it's not perfect. My punctuation was oftentimes wrong. And the structure of my paragraphs and sentences were you know, incorrect from a, from a grammar perspective, but people could feel like the genuine raw writing of, it. and I was like just pouring my heart out and just like sharing thoughts about what the, what it's like transitioning from the military into the civilian world, what it's like, you know, being in this career where I had literally, you know, went from a, a 10 year where I had a paycheck on the first and 15th, no matter what, I could blow through all my cash and then live on dollars. And then pff, I don't give a fuck because I'm getting paid in the 15th to a world now where like, if I don't sell anything, I'm like my literally, like I have nothing. So like that transition, is, is challenging. I knew there were people out there that either wanted to jump into that transition, but they're scared because in the military, they don't necessarily always encourage us to get out. They want to retain us. And it's always like, oh, no, you're not going to succeed outside of the military. It's this big, scary world. You don't want to do it. And there are people that don't do it because they're, you know, they're afraid. And so I wanted to provide encouragement for that. Also, like, let people know, like, what it's like I'm having a kid and, you know, I'm writing an email to my son every day and like all, all this little shit that I think people really appreciate it. And it shows it humanizes you. Um, Definitely behind a newsletter, which typically they're, they're not very personal. Uh, and I wanted to, to make it different.
Yeah, I like the aspect of you adding in all your clients manually too. Um, we're starting to do that now with our broke agent list, uh, with our BAM list. Is anyone that emails us, anyone that we've had on the podcast, we're finally manually now putting them in. And this is something we should have been doing a long time ago. But you know, right. every day if you're talking to five or six people via email, those are people going straight into your email list. And instead of having to do these eBooks or these big email grabs or these webinars or something like that, it's just you could build that list daily just by the people you talk to. For sure. And I take the same approach now with our CRM where like my team, I encourage them, everyone, everyone is in my CRM. My mother is in my CRM. Right. Um, every fucking person <laughs> I, I touch, I, I, I use, Bo use Boomtown by the way for your CRM. Yeah. Am I in there? Or how's that you going? are. Okay. You. I'll unsubscribe, but Thanks, man. Sorry. I, I had a, a really good newsletter my first year in real estate. Legit, I didn't. I stopped doing it because someone yelled at me. Why you yell at and yelled at Because I would do these things with the team I was on. I would farm like a very specific area, like a neighborhood. And then I would get people's emails by saying like, I give like these really raw um, kind of reports of homes. I go see the houses in the neighborhood. And then like I do a write-up. I show pictures and I do a write-up of like what I liked about the house and like what I really fucking hated. And I went like really hard in what I hated. Um, and then people just started getting mad because I went so hard oh, because man. some of them were still listed. So then some I was, I guess, skewing people's yeah. <laughs> decision just to go on see. other people's listings. Thanks. I could see why <laughs> other agents would get upset with but, that. Uh, yeah. but I was growing my list. No, it was just some ra random person on the list saying, I said it was outdated because it had these like dark wood cabinets and it was like this old guy and he fucking reamed me in an email and I got scared and I stopped. Should have kept doing him. that. Yeah, I know it was good. I could have had a could have getting the there. email replies from a mass email is one of the best feelings. It is um, in the world. No, I'm just kidding. It's obviously not, but it is a great <laughs> it is a great feeling. Like we encourage people to reply like at the end of the email, saying like you know reply with your thoughts on this. Obviously not as vague as that, but that's when you know it's really like struck a chord with them. Is when you're sending it out to you know fifty thousand people and hundred of them actually respond to the email, even though they know it's a mass email. That's right. when you know you got something going. Well, that's when you yeah. know like your copy is really good too. And you yeah. like Eric, you're you're a fantastic copywriter. I don't know if you write all Thank the you. copy for your stuff, but you are you're extremely talented and you make it to where it's easy to read, understand, comprehend, and then also like makes it feel like it's it's personal. You you've you've definitely built that skill over time and it's that's a skill that's very very challenging to um, create. Thank you. Yeah, the the email open rate is such a fun thing to toy with and mm -hmm. see what sort of subject lines you could do, what sort of um, secondary subject lines, how many emojis, what time do you send it out? Like, yep. you know, with MailChimp, we're always looking at the optimization and to see what's the best time to send it out because they have this timer basically. And sometimes it's seven Eastern, sometimes it's, you know, one Eastern. And we're always peppering different things. Like, do we use more text in our blocks? Do we use different text for the buttons? Do we have eight things in the email? Do we have two things in the email? Like we're constantly tinkering around with this stuff. And now our open rate is like sometimes 43, 44% for That's a list to agents, which is bananas. And I think what, I think the, uh, what we realize is the things that I'm in, the open rate fucking goes to the roof. Like if there's a picture of me, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, like it's, it's guaranteed. It's like you 78%. Put, you put Leonetti in the title. No, but actually if you put <laughs> Gary Keller in the title, or housing market doom these sort of subject lines yeah. obviously perform very well yeah. even though they're kind of clickbaity click but yeah. you, you have to though you have to be clickbaity like the, it's it's content production right like 
people get pissed at these oh doom and gloom headlines yeah but we are refuting some of them in the content but if you don't do that you're not going to get the people to actually See, open your email what i would do though is like go like really hard like all the really big like you know like unilad and like those big big mm-hmm. news outlets like i'd write ca- like headlines like uh millennials offended by the home buying process like right. something like you know and then like just elite have daily headlines ex- yeah that's so it's like why the fuck are people offended because a lot of the stuff that people are offended about is created by media obviously like no yeah. one's actually offended by the fucking new Katy perry song or whatever but people like find one person who tweeted it and then have a whole story on it right anyways yeah uh, <laughs> I thought, that was a, a good, I thought that was a good point, but I'll just. Well, I wish you still did your newsletter, man. You should bring that back, I think, and maybe. I could now. It's, to... it's totally on brand if I did that yeah. now. Yeah, and I just think like it, if people reply, have agents that would like want you to write shit about their listing because it would just help <laughs> get a little bit more exposure. Or do video critiques of their listing. That could be good too. Yeah, yeah. Like with it's a green screen thing with like Instagram, clients could... and stuff. Yeah, like no one wants to hear their house is shit. Yeah, that's true. And that's like, I mean, a lot of people want to hear a house is shit, but no one wants to hear their house is shit. Right. Um, that's the that's the uh, problem. But Shane, you're seven years in now. Mm-hmm. Okay. What are you still doing to to generate leads? What's your number one source of lead generation right now? Uh, my sphere, and it and I've always been uh probably at least fifty percent of my my business has been my sphere. This year, it's going to make up closer to sixty. Um, and I think that comes with nurture and it's not nurture in the format of a drip campaign. Uh, I think those are sleazy unless they're written w- really well for whatever reason, agents really want to do these drip campaigns. And, and, uh, I think it's, it's fucking awful to do that to someone where you just set it and forget it. And you got this 21 step drip campaign where it's like, it's, it's just a way to touch them, but it's doing the opposite of it. It's awful to do that. To it's someone. awful, but it's like, it's highly encouraged and advised by coaches and yeah. even like our CRM, right? Follow-up boss. Like they have pre-built drip campaigns and, and agents, Boomtown now. Yep. agents like go fucking nuts over that. And I'm just like, it's really doing, doing the opposite effect of what you think it is. So nurturing for me is, is writing these personal emails. It's doing individual videos for my clients. It's reaching out. It's, it's doing client events. It's, it's giving back to the community and inviting people to exclusive events and just like keeping really close to people. You don't need this massive database to do a ton of business. I mean, if you have a hundred true fans, like you'll be okay. That's really what it is. A hundred true fans, meaning those people are going to work with you and they're going to refer their business with you. But that's really all you need is a, is a group of a hundred people that say you're the best motherfucker they're ever going to work with. That's it. It's not about quantity for me. It's quality yeah. over quantity in every facet of my life. Uh, same with the people that I'm, that I'm, I keep close to, to my business and to my heart. I've, I've found that too, going, like going that extra mile, people really notice that they do. And they really, really do. And it's like, if you, cause you make people almost feel like they're not important or like they're robots mm-hmm. when you get one of those, those big campaigns where it's just like a, a touch thing. Um, when you like personalize and they can tell it's personalized, it's going to take you a bit longer, but people can feel it. And it's, it's such an interesting thing because it's it like almost feels like it goes against my human nature to want to compliment someone and want to be positive. It's something I've had to train my mind to do because it's very quick for me to jump on social media and see someone 
post something or, you know, whether it's a sale or a video. And then I'm like, fuck, dude, I can, that should have been my client or fuck, man, I could have done a better video than that. Like that's, that's my initial thought, but I have to like remind myself, like I should be really happy for that person, really proud for that person. So then I like go out of my way to make sure that they know that. And I want to be genuine about it. And I think what I'm doing is I'm slowly training my mind to reverse that. So when I see someone's success, I want to be their number one, you know, success. I want to be like, fuck yeah, dude, you did like, that's amazing. You deserved it. Like, but I don't think that comes natural for a lot of people. And I'll fully admit that that's not natural for me to do. And I've had to slowly train my mind to want to do that. And every morning during my morning routine, I always talk about the things I'm grateful for and the things that inspire me. And then I always tell myself, I need to reach out to at least three people today and just drop them a compliment. Just simple, like out of the blue, like, hey, you know, saw this. Hope you're doing awesome. That was amazing. Or super proud of you. Thanks for your friendship. Whatever it is, like I make sure that I do that every single day. And that it take, doesn't take much time to send someone a quick note or a quick little video, but it could potentially change the fucking trajectory of their entire day, their week, the rest of their life, right? You don't ever, you never know what spot that person's going to be. And they could be in a really dark space. And if they just hear one positive, encouraging, you know, sentence from you, like that could fucking alter someone's life. And I don't think enough people understand the power of what we have as humans when we're on the positive versus the negative. Can you start doing that to me, please? I need something like that. Next time you're at Starbucks at 5 a.m., text me a positive <laughs> affirmation because I'm in need of that. I do completely agree with you. I feel like realtors especially are jealous. I'm a jealous yeah. person. I feel like in this competitive social media environment and real estate environment, it sucks when you see another agent get a listing in your office. And you're like, how the hell did that person get right. that listing? That person's a moron. I'm 10 times better than them. And there is this constant like anger and hatred and and clients who ditch you and ghost you and stuff. So it is important to reach out to people and do something like that. Yeah. I mean, is it is it jealousness though, or is it competitiveness? Competitiveness is good yeah, for sure. Like for competitiveness sure. like elevates everybody around the industry. Like if you see an agent in your office that's crushing it, you know, I think that jealousy, yeah, I guess they're kind of intertwined in a way. But like when I, I see a listing that I thought should have been mine. I don't blame that person. I've never blamed that person. I blame myself for not doing enough. And that's like the competitive nature in me. I'm an like, extremely competitive person. And with, with like video too, I always talk about that. Like mm -hmm. now that there's so much real estate comedy, if I see a great video, I'm happy that's a great video and, and good for them. But now it's like, okay. How do I step? Hold on and watch this. <laughs> like I, I get very competitive and that's, I think, super healthy to a point. Um, I mean, sometimes I lose my mind, but I'm not very, I don't think I'm, yeah, it's weird. It's like a fine line. I think, yeah, jealousy it's a delicate line to balance. I do think most people comes from jealousy. For me, it, it it's jealousy. I'll be transparent about that. It's, it's oftentimes <laughs> jealousy or envy where I see that and I'm, I'm immediately... I'm like, shit, yeah, I could have done that or done this. But then another thing I've been doing is when I see another agent, like maybe it's a listing that I competed for and I went in and the seller chose another agent. Initially, I'm like, why the fuck would they go with that person? Like I am, that's my neighborhood. I know this shit. But then I step back and I'm like, okay, they didn't choose that agent because of me. They chose that because those sellers thought in their best interest was to hire that person. So I should be supportive of that. And then also what it allows me to do is it frees up my time to identify clients that are a good match for me. And then I move on. Like, that's it. I spend that much time. Fuck, this sucks. Oh, cool. And then I'm out. It didn't, it, it took me seven years and I'm still improving that. Um, but a really good analogy I like to use in, in the real estate world is because that happens. I don't get every listing I go in. I have a very high uh, 
conversion rate, but I don't get every single one. And in sports, one of the, the team members uh, that we have, his name is Jeff Blackstone. And he said something to me that really resonated. He's like, you know, because he was a, he was a baseball coach forever before he got into real estate. And he's like, you know, you can always tell the best athletes for the ones that are going to go further than the ones that don't. And it's generally how quickly they can recover from an air. And I, and he like just left it at that. And I thought about it and I applied it to real estate. And so I apply an air as not getting that listing, maybe not getting the contract, whatever it is. And now in my mindset, I have to quickly move on, you know, improve, look at it, digest the film and then go on and, and proceed and get better. The agents that can get over that quicker are the ones that are more successful. And I bet if you ask 10 of the top producers, you know, what, how quickly they can get over an air like that, they're going to tell you, I don't even think about it. Does it goes in one ear or not the other? I bet you that that would be the case. But it's people that yeah, think about it, dwell on it, you know, go in a really dark space, get depressed over because they missed out on a listing. It's like you're fucking taking time away from what you actually need to be doing. And then your whole energy is off. And then when you go on that next appointment, like people can read body language, read energy. They're not going to want you. And you go down this awful trajectory of just like fail, 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 fail. So, you know, moving on for me was something that I had to establish quickly. Yeah, yeah that's right. Well, yeah, the more at bats you have for another sports analogy whether it's content or listing appointments or whatever the better that's why like yep. you know if you have an email that sucks or a youtube video that sucks or a podcast that sucks or a post that doesn't do well or something like that you know you learn from it and you're like hey that sucked why did it suck but i'm posting another one tomorrow so it doesn't even matter yeah and, and the, analogy the, the more bats you get the more chance you have for virality the more chance you have to reach people and to not base your entire livelihood around it which is what a lot of people do yeah. for sure, which, you know, I've, I've definitely, what we did for do. a long time. Yeah. Um, so let, let's talk about the team. So you're on Carpenter Kessel, right? Yes. Um, I think 20 plus agents on that team. Why did you join this team? Uh, why aren't you solo? And what do you like being a part of this massive um, team that's crushing it in Florida? Matt, what kind of things stand the test of time? Beats me, Eric. Well, I, I got a list for you right here. Twinkies, J-Lo, Ben Affleck, Diamonds, The right. Beatles. Well, you them. could add your real estate success to that list when you partner with Boomtown, the number one user rated real estate CRM in the game. Boomtown was built to drive sustainable long-term success, Eric, no matter yeah. the market. So if you're ready to put your best foot forward and build a real estate business that can stand the test of time, Visit Boomtown, ROI.com slash Overask. Plus, see how you can score $750 in free digital advertising now. Now that's Boomtown, ROI.com slash Overask. Uh, okay, so a few questions there. So I joined <laughs> Carpenter Kessel uh, five years ago. So I, as it stands, I am the, the longest living team member on there that, that's not a team lead. Um, typically in a, in a team world, longest living, are they, are they killing them off there? What's going on over longest there? tenure, uh, longest, okay. longest <laughs> there I don't know, guy that's been around the longest. On the, <laughs> the, a bunch of 17 year olds on my team. <laughs> um, but, but there's actually two of us that have been there close to five years and the retention on our team is extremely high. And in most team atmospheres, uh, it's like churn and burn. You're looking at 12 months, you get a team member go on. They fucking realize that uh, the leads aren't what they thought or when they're getting no support and then they go look for greener pasture. And it's a it's a cycle that happens. But our team has been able to retain a very uh, exclusive amount of, of agents. And we have 20, but we don't have 20. So we have um, Compass, as you know, Eric, is, is uh, territorial. 
in all aspects of the name of the name but specifically in our region there is only one compass name and we have our team nestled underneath compass and then we have a separate team that's compass the separate team that's compass is not actually our team it's a separate entity our team makes up there's about 12 of us that sell uh, then we have eight on the support side, and that includes transaction managers. Uh, we have two of those. We have a listing manager. We've got a marketing director. We have an in-house kind of um, assistant for all of us. And then then there are other assistants for other teams. So there's actually 12 of us that sell on that team. And to give you more context around that, out of the 12 of us, this year we'll sell about $300 million in our county where the median sales price is 350,000. So it's a ton of, of how many units is that? That's a lot. It's a lot of units. We also have the luxury space. So we have about 25% of the luxury share. So that makes up a good portion of our, um, of our volume, but we'll sell between probably, I don't know, 250 to 350 units. So your luxury is what? Like 1.2. I've seen something like two and a half, three million, right? Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. We have luxury down yeah. here. Um, let's see, Dwayne, my team leader, just double sided a, a six million dollar deal. So it's a fucking. Jesus. It's one of the highest well, sales see. prices, if not these highest. I hope he doesn't watch this because he's like Shane. You better fucking know this. Um, it's like <laughs> I think the highest sales price in our county, and so we're not California. Like six million dollars is a ton of money in on this coast, um, where most of the luxury space starts at about a million five. And then you see up to like 3 million. So somewhere in that realm is considered luxury. We've got oceanfront condos that are still trading for a million um, or a million two, somewhere yeah. in that ballpark. And then you have the single families that are going to be a million five. But if it's on the ocean, it'll probably have a two in front of it. Um, That's crazy. So we, we own almost, you know, uh, we're a dominant luxury space. We're also dominant inland and, all, and kind of just throughout the county. So our county is very interesting and it's 72 miles long. Um, so we cover the whole county, which is kind of different for a lot of other agents where you know, in California, for example, like their counties are, are fucking massive. So they like work on a single space or a city in that county where we are full county and it's a ton of cities. Um, but essentially ended up joining that team five years ago. They they came after me and recruited me. I was a uh, year two. had just closed around five million in production and I had done a deal with my now team lead and we did this deal together and uh, during inspections, he like reaches out to me and he was like, Hey, um, let's go get some coffee. And I was like, Oh shit. Like the goat of real estate is about to bring me to coffee and tell me how the fuck this transaction is going to go. So I like went in like, you know, man, I'm, I'm like stretching, I'm flexing, I'm ready to go thinking it's going to be a battle. And we go there and he was just like, Hey man, like we've been tracking your progress we've been seeing your transactions. You've done a really, really great job with this transaction. Your communication is on point. You've only been in business two years. He's like, we want to offer you a job on the team. I was like, what? You know, it's like to give you more context, Carpenter and Kessel is the, the number one team in the, the space coast. And we're, we're top five in the state of Florida. When we compete with Miami, Orlando, like massive, you know, massive cities where our team is extremely dominant. And I'm like, Oh my God, these guys offered me a job. So I thought about it and it was not an initial. Yes. It was one of those, like, well, I got to make sure it's for the right reasons. And not just because like the, you know, it's the flash of luxury. Cause I felt like I was going to lose a lot of, my blue collar type of, of military people. Cause I once I, you know, put luxury on my, my email signature, like the people are going to think that I won't work with them because they're not luxury because they're a 200 or $300,000 home. So I was really fearful of that. And then I also had to look at the splits and all these other things. And, you know, fast forward a couple of weeks, I ended up going back and, and asked the few questions and uh, said, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll join, join the team. And that was in December of 2017. 
uh, where I joined uh, Carpenter Cuffs, and I've been with them ever since. And over the time, the team has grown. At that point, there was five of us that sold, and we were doing 120 or 130 million, I think, at that point. And my production had went from five to seven or eight, and then the next year did 12, and then it was 20, and then last year I did 29, and this year I'll do 40. So each year, like they've armed me with the tools, armed me with the resources, and armed me with the knowledge to actually be a luxury agent and a high-performing, efficient luxury agent, which is different. Um, and they've also encouraged me to start my own team under the umbrella of their team, which is a little bit more complicated. <laughs> oh, that's cool though. I mean, it that's seems cool. like you have a lot of freedom to do what you need to do. I mean, Carpenter, Carpenter Kessel, I mean, it kind of sounds like it's some guy who's going to build me a fucking <laughs> table, but, um, I mean, if they if they got the, the luxury space on hold, I like what you said, um, that resonated with me. It was like the luxury kind of lose your blue collar. Cause I'm, I don't know if you know, I'm with the agency friend of the show, the Never entire heard. brokerage. Never yeah. Heard. The agency. Yeah. Um, but that was something I went through as well, but I kind of like that like challenge almost of maybe making luxury more accessible or just a little more, I don't know, like for more me, like yeah. me, I like the contrast of me and luxury. Well, and yeah, I mean, we don't, we're guys that don't typically fit in that box of luxury. Like I have tattoos. I roll up to my listing appointments in a t-shirt you know, but I'm very well spoken. I know the data better than anyone else. And I might be the good fit for you. I might not be. But something that, you know, when I had this fear five years ago, I was talking to Dwayne, who it's Dwayne Carpenter and Kirk Kessel. They're the last, it's the last names to think of the team. Yeah. I'm talking it's like a lawyer. Like, like, a, like, like a, law, a law firm. Yeah. And I'm talking to Dwayne about this concern. I was like, you know, man, I'm really concerned about losing out on my military people. I don't ever want them to think that I sold out you know, went to the luxury side, the dark side, because like, those are the people that I actually love to be around. I like people with tattoos, I drink whiskey, they fucking swear like sailors. Like I don't necessarily want to always be in this like luxury space. And he's like, look, man, he's like, it's a lot easier to sell down than it is to sell up. And I'm like, what do you mean? Yeah. And he's like, once you have the luxury space, like, and people know that, like, they're going to trust you to do that. And it's a lot easier for someone that's at the lower tier of that to say, well, fuck, he's selling $2 million homes. Absolutely. He can work with me. And it was the exact opposite thought that I had in my mind trusted him and then moving forward i mean you know my my sales will kind of speak for themselves but i still represent a ton of blue collar sales i mean I, i'll sell 70 homes this year and they're all not luxury there's maybe 20 percent that are going to be over a million dollars the rest they're all that three to six hundred range right how, how much emphasis do you put into like looking the part your what you drive to a i, I know so many people get caught up in that and yeah. i just want I don't know, people to hear it from someone who's really doing it. Like, does that matter as much as people think? Like pulling up to a $2 million listing, do you need to have a Mercedes or can you pull up in a RAV4? Does that, I mean, yeah. like, does that matter at the end of the day? Do you think? I think it does. Um, and okay. I, it's not the answer you probably wanted me to say, or, or even it feels like I shouldn't, get, but, but I think it does. I, I do think there are, a, there's a stigma and there's a um, perception behind that. Uh, when it comes to cars, that's one thing that I am proud to drive a, a very nice automobile. And I know that when I'm going up to that appointment, that that person is automatically judging me. They're going to judge me based on the way I look. I know that. And there's nothing I'm going to do about that. But if they're going to judge me based on what I drive, like there is something I can alter about that. I don't drive a good car because I want people to know that I'm successful. I drive a good car because I know I deserve it. And I haven't always driven a good car. 
So I bought myself a good car as a gift, as a reward to myself. But when I go up to that appointment, I know it's going to be a conversation piece. I know they're going to want to talk about it and they're automatically going to score me like, fuck, if he can afford that car, he must be doing All right. Well, what the fuck are you driving now? Don't be, you know, <laughs> no, I mean, it's driving so- the fucking Batmobile. Like, what, He's driving a submarine. Here? He's literally pulling <laughs> up a nuclear a submarine and pointing his missiles directly at the listing. Uh, so last I year I bought a, a 2021 Model S. It's a six figure car. Uh, not What is that? What is that? Tesla. Okay. I, I don't know anything about cars. There's a Tesla refresh train. on that. I mean, it's not like in your luxury. I had Mercedes, two Mercedes before that. Um, but I bought my first Mercedes when I was in the military. And a lot of people don't understand that either. It was a nice car, but it was fucking old and it had a ton of miles on it. I just keep my shit in really top condition and looking good. So when I was in the military, I was driving around in a Mercedes C300, which is a which is like their lower end, but it's still a Mercedes where people are like, fuck, that's a nice car. It's like, fuck, I actually only paid 30,000 for it and I had 80,000 miles on it. But it looks nice. Then I bought another Mercedes and then ended up treating myself to the Tesla. But it's one of those, I kind of struggled with it a little bit. And um, I have a, a good friend who I was, when I was thinking about buying a car, I, I was like, I just, I don't know if I, if I have that, I roll up to an appointment. There might be some people that are like, I don't want to work with this guy because he's already making too much money. So I'm like chatting with another friend, my buddy, Matt, he's a running uh, partner of mine. And we're going back and forth. And it was also on the same conversations of like buying a really nice watch. I'm, I'm, I rock a Garmin. I'm all these appointments. It's a okay. That's where we Garmin. differ here. Like, <laughs> I'm a watch guy. You're a car guy. All right. Yeah. So, and I thought about buying a really nice uh, Rolex or tag or whatever it was as when I first sold my first million dollar house, that was the gift I wanted to give to myself. You know, this was, this is the gift. Don't get a tag though. Get a Rolex. <laughs> But I'm talking to my buddy Matt about it. And I was like, I just don't want people to think that like when I buy this nice stuff that that automatically they're going to rule me out. And, you know, I just don't want to go in there like flashing my shit. And he's like, you know what, man? He's like, there are people that are going to think that. And if they think that about you, they're probably going to think some other negative things about you. And it's not going to be a real ideal fit for you. But you're going to have the people that see that and they support that. And they're like, damn, you deserve that. And you should have bought that for yourself. And so that's, again, where my mindset goes, where if there's someone that does not want to work with me because I have a nice car or the way I look or whatever it is, they're just not a a fit. And that's okay because there's plenty of other agents for them to choose from, but it unlocks my time to where I can focus on the people that are the right fit. I agree with you that when you roll up to something, when you roll up to a listing appointment in a luxury um, car, that it does bring about an immediate perception of you. Like, I think it's extremely necessary. I was door knocking and cold calling in Beverly Hills, you know, as a 25 year old and I was rolling up to these places in a Honda Accord. And then I eventually <laughs> leased a five series. Nothing changed um, in, in terms of my results, but I felt honestly way more confident rolling up to these houses in that because these people, you know, $6 million houses, yep. $10 million houses, which yeah. I had no business door knocking, by the way, it was just for the team I was working under, but I would even like, they would just open the window, look at this, you know, Honda Accord from, you know, high school. Basically oh, especially where there. you are, Eric. Like yeah. that's like, yeah. The, and, like, yeah. And, and, you know, you had to be in a suit, like all that matters. Like we've had um, James and David from Million Dollar Listing on and, and the way they talk about door knocking and how they present themselves. That really matters. Like look at Dan O'Neill. He's always in a suit. He's trying to like bring about this, this luxury presence right. basically. And I think that that does help with the overall brand. And also it's, you know, in unison with your brand on video too, like your videos are so clean, you know, your, your quality is incredible. Your editing's great. Like everything about 
your brand is kind of you know cohesive so i think yeah. that makes sense i don't think that's the wrong take i think people like to say oh it doesn't matter where whatever you want who gives a shit yeah well i mean for does. some people it work now shane what if you drive a subaru but wear a rolex just asking for a friend here <laughs> your, priorities contradicting. Your, 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 your priorities are back your seller's head would be in a pretzel at that point <laughs> they would think <laughs> the rolex was stolen i hope you're, you're going off road what if you wear yeah. two Rolexes on each wrist? Okay, now that's a wrist. story. Now it's not stolen. That's not, you well, don't the, luck on the, out. On the car thing, though, there's another uh, observation that people make, and it might not be the type of car, how nice it is, but the next tier is the cleanliness of the interior. And I don't know if this is something you guys, what Mine's your cars fantastic. look like. But if you look yeah. at mine right now, it's fucking pristine. I get it detailed every other week. The inside, I don't carry shit in there because I know – if someone takes a peek in my car, if whether it's a buyer or a seller, or they just happen to kind of glance at the car, they're going to judge me based on the cleanliness of that. And if my car is a disaster, they're thinking, fuck, this transaction is going to be a disaster. I don't want to work with this guy. So if you might, you like, might not be able to afford a I believe that, car, yeah. just make yeah. sure you can afford to keep it clean. Uh, and Well, let's, let's, I mean, let's, let's take a back step here. I mean, I could, could have bought something, you know, <laughs> higher than a Subra. If you look at the inside, it's fully loaded. I mean, it's just it's yeah, fully loaded. It's, 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 yeah, it really it's got a radio in it. A lot of respect for Subarus if you live in Washington State. I mean, I, I live in Canada, right? There's no sense mm -hmm. me getting something that's not going to survive the winter here. Boy. Yeah, no, it's a different so, different uh, country, I think. I would always <laughs> make sure, I, I would always keep my car clean if I was taking a buy around, but I would always leave a couple agent detail reports in the front seat to kind of make it look like I was seeing other houses. You know, just to oh, like give them trick. the perception that I was more busy, busy or that they could like look at something while I was driving them. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would carry bands of a right hundred of hundred dollar bills just yeah. in the yes. passenger seat, wow. just so they just know. A bunch you know? of keys to make it just look like <laughs> yeah, a bunch of lock active. and sold yeah. signs. <laughs> a bunch of sold signs. <laughs> just just uncashed checks like your happy yeah. Gilmore. Uh, Huge yeah. checks. That's so yeah. Um, Shane, let, let's get into your content real quick. Yeah. Um, because you do coach with Tom Ferry, you do coach with Jason Pantana, correct? Yes. So your content, I love. It's super educational. Your hooks are fantastic. You'll you'll say something like, "Here's why home orientation matters." You know, stuff that's like actually very educational. Mm -hmm. But you'll also dive into some of the the goofy skits, like that really funny one where it's like that scene from The Shining. Yeah. You're hacking down the door and you're trying to just get. <laughs> you know, feedback from the other agent. I love these. Destroyed it. So um, what are you learning in these coaching sessions? Like what are you and Pantana talking about and kind of what's your, what's your goal with your real estate content right now? So Jason's been a, a wealth of knowledge and he, he's been our second coach with Tom Ferry, I believe. So um, he just the, his approach to digital marketing is, is, I mean, he's the goat for a reason. But um, he's really tactical and then also strategic as to what we should be doing. So the reason my content has now shifted into buckets or five different buckets is essentially what our content is, is because of Jason, because he essentially conducted an audit on my Instagram and went through and, uh, you know, it's during like a live chat. So we're watching and he's going through. He's like, I actually don't know what the fuck you do, like what your <laughs> style is, what, what you're going. He's going through my feed and it's like, well, yeah, he's like, if I had to categorize you. He's like, you know, in his little bomber jacket, he was, he was like, I would just say your guy that's spontaneous and doing some fun stuff here and there. And I was like, yeah. could you say candidly? That's one of his favorite words. Candidly. Say candidly. Yeah, I don't even yeah, want exactly. to know what he'd say about me then. Algor algorithmically. I can't even say it. Yeah. Algorithmically. Exactly. Algorithmically. <laughs> Dude, just say, yeah. So hey, that's a lot of syllables. There's <laughs> yeah. at least 10 of that one. 
Um, but he was very upfront about, look, man, you need to get into different buckets and we need to start categorizing your content. Cause he's like, when I go through, I want to see the things you do and I want to see consistency. And I, and it's, I'm a, I'm a super coachable guy. So as soon as I heard that, I was like, copy. And I had my video guy with me and we're taking notes. We established our five buckets. And then that is the only content we do. It has to fit in one of those buckets. Otherwise we're not doing it. Um, and Jason really helped us with that. He's also given us a lot of feedback on the things we do. He's the one that like initially encouraged me to do these quick tours. And, um, now like you see them everywhere and I fucking hated doing the quick tours. I was like, I don't want to be the quick tour guy, dude. Like, I think I'm pretty funny and I would put a lot of effort behind our content. Like I want to be the guy that's like going over the top for theatrical cinematic masterpieces that are done in two minutes. Not a guy that can just walk through a house in 60 seconds and, you know, get that done. And, and of course, like, now it's one of those pieces that is super easy for us to do. It's highly efficient. And it's exactly what I needed to do for my listings because I will take 30 to 40 listings a year. So I used to do a custom video for every single one. And it's really, really hard to come up with really creative ideas for all those listings. So the quick tour was the perfect solution for that. Still able to film it, still able to make it really engaging, and then also provide value from the seller's perception and then also get us a little bit more exposure for our, our buyer pool. What do you mean by the quick tour? Like you'll hook them in with something and then do a quick 40 second reel on it. Like explain to us what that looks like. So what's a lot of uh, speed ramps in the, um, in the view. So it's essentially, and we try to loop it too. So I'll be in the front of the property and then I'll point price location and then I'll wave the person in. And then we go through and it's speed ramp, boom, front door. Maybe I'll have a piece of dialogue and then boom, we're looking at the house and it slows down for the kitchen and then speed ramps into the master. And then I'm always in the frame, like doing hand maneuvers or something like just kind of keeping it engaging. And then we'll also overlay it with text and then trying to get it done in less than a minute. So you're seeing the house, you're seeing the content, you're seeing the theatrics of, of me in there. And then we're able to kind of make it loop and also still be creative. So if I start in the house like this, maybe at the end I'll jump from the second story and then boom, it loops right back into the beginning. Um, but we've been having a lot of fun with those, whether we're implementing dialogue or trying to find a really clean spot to do the, the cut where that's where the loop is because we do it in one shot. Like I'll knock out a quick tour now in 30 minutes. So it's a, it's a super effective and efficient use of our time to be able to do this for every listing. Whereas before I would need three hours at a listing and then also a week beforehand to kind of like think about the scripting and getting props and whatever it was for the, for the listing video. The quick tour has been a really, really great solution to do on all of our listings. And you'll have to go yep. through my Instagram to check it out. We do them on every single listing. Um, I think we just dropped one uh, last, last Thursday or Friday, we did a quick tour, but almost that's, weekly we're pushing one out. That's a cool, I like what you said there about the buckets. Like, obviously we've all kind of heard that. Um, Jason Pantana talks about that a lot, the buckets, but to actually maybe for people who don't know where to start, like actually write out your buckets, mm -hmm. even if it's not five, if it's three, it's like, okay, I'm going to do trending content. Then I'm going to do quick home tours. Yep. Then I'm going to do analytical and then start, you know, categorizing them and write down ideas and do stuff like that. I think visually those things might help people a lot more if you actually write it all down and, and categorize it accordingly. And I, what are your buckets? Uh, so we do savvy solutions, which is the bucket where I'm able to, you know, talk about text reminders, uh, or calendar or what, whatever it is. It's just savvy things that I've implemented that people, I, I thought they knew, but I guess they don't. Uh, and I love to share that stuff. So savvy solutions, quick tours. That's another one. Um, how to do, buy a Tesla. What's that? How to buy a Tesla? Is that a that's in our wildcard category. So okay. I did a review oh, on my Tesla, and it and it's oh, that's cool. Half a million views on that thing, and it's brought my account to. Uh, it's an, I have a monetized YouTube account because of that Tesla video I did. 
Um, cause last year when we dropped it, not, there was only a hundred people that had the, the brand new refreshed model S. So we did this, this video on it. So back on the, the tangents the savvy solutions. That's, yeah. Sorry. Uh, that's really cool though. It's a, it's a pretty sweet video. Sorry. I'm trying to think. Through. So savvy solutions, quick tours, uh, RE 101, which is where I'm dropping information about like contracts, whatever it may be. We do skits, uh, which is kind of like, I still be able to bring in my comedic style of things. And then, uh, the fifth one is a uh, client testimonial. So when we've been dropping the, uh, like testimony with a, with a video testimony of a client, or maybe it's a review that we put in a carousel or whatever it is. But what we have been doing for the last three months is I've actually been able to capture a lot of video content of clients giving me a testimonial. So that's our five. It's social proof is the actual the bucket, but it's client testimonials. So Do you Station, actually have a wild card? Yeah, wild card is number six, where we get to throw in something that does not fit in those buckets. And it's probably going to be primarily used on YouTube, but then we will disperse it to these other platforms. So like I also did a, a, a review on my Tesla roof racks. That one, you know, also got very, very good traction. I'd rather watch uh, paint dry than watch that video. <laughs> it's pretty you good, man. I, Tesla roof racks? I'd rather drop Are a bowling ball on my foot. Sounds horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe cut out the wild card yeah. bucket. But we've all, like, so also a wild card has been, I, I met with a um, custom home builder. Uh, Joyo Homes oh, that's cool. local here, yeah. and we did a 12-minute video with her talking about the new development that they're doing. So that's a wild card for us because it goes to YouTube, and we've been able to chop it up and put it on uh, our other social channels. But primarily, if it does not fit in one of those five buckets, we're not doing it. And so anytime I have an idea, I have to figure out what bucket it goes in; otherwise, it goes, it's discarded. But our buckets are pretty spread across the board where there's it's pretty rare that I do have an idea and it can't categorize in one of those buckets. Oftentimes it could go in two. We just have to figure out which one. And it's typically, is it a savvy solution or is it an RE 101? Because those do somewhat blend a little bit. Quick tours, those are pretty obvious. Social proof is really incre an incredible thing to do if you can. It doesn't have to be a video testimonial, but it can be a screenshot of a review someone wrote on you on Google and then post it. Because what it's doing is letting other people know that you're actually good and people actually do care about you enough to write about it. And then skits, that's just shit I love to do. It's really where most of my ideas live. And we've just had to kind of throw it away from that because, um, you know, can't, everything can't be skits. It has to actually be about somewhat a little bit real estate and, and there's audience that we're trying to attract and all these other things. How do you know what bucket you're going to be doing? Um, so every Monday, uh, my video guy and I, we, we uh, have an email. It's called the MPOA, so Monday Plan of Action. And in that email, we talk about what we're releasing for the week and then what we're filming on that week. So every Wednesday, I have a block from 10 to 2. Uh, so today we exchanged the filming block for, for this. So just like you're applying, Thank you. Matt, Thank I, you. I, I uh, yeah. pulled off my video guy. Who's on my appliances are a little more, yeah, you guys are, you that. guys are real heroes. <laughs> yeah. <Thank> you. So <laughs> much. My um, wife's pissed. Yeah. yeah right. Mine too. Tell me. <laughs> um, but so, so every Wednesday we film 10 to 10 to two and on that Monday, we're going to know exactly what we're filming for this week. And we try to go in a, in a cadence. So we try to not duplicate the same bucket before I'm not trying to go. Like out of my five buckets, I'm not trying to go one, two, three, four, five, and then repeat. It's going to be one, three, five, four, two, three, in that kind of sequence. But we try to get away from doubling up on the same. Like I'm not going to do a skit the skit. I'll do a skit and then an RE 101 and then maybe a skit. So offer some sort of um, flexibility in what we're releasing, but also have us defined enough to where we have the discipline to know like what we're filming and what we're editing and what we're going to release. We try to do that too, even for this podcast, Matt. Like we don't want to have four social media savvy people mm -hmm. on in a row because then you're kind of hammering in the same yeah. point to the audience we do that with bam's content like i don't want to post 
five clips in a row about Instagram strategy <clears throat> or YouTube strategy. We need actual real estate news and clips about other agent tactical stuff. So I think, you know, varietizing a Pantana word right there, your <laughs> actual content is a very, very good move. I think you, you have yeah. to, because if you do not, then you fall into a single category <clears throat> of what you are, what you do. So if you're continuously putting out funny content and that's all you do, like you're just going to be the funny guy in real estate. Well, here, we, here we go. Not saying there's anything yeah, yeah. wrong with that, but there's more to us. <laughs> this than, Matt just posted. I'm not even talking uh, about you, Matt. Um, so like this is conversations <laughs> I've had with my buddy Derek, where his shit- Derek Gregory. Gregory, over the top, yeah. amazing, so good. And- like he's kind of put himself in a, like not a corner, but in a niche, like that's what he does. And I think some people that do that to themselves, like they want to also be other things, but then you get too deep in this hole where it's like, I either have to do that or I have no identity. So by offering that variety, you're, you're doing a couple of things. You're giving yourself the creative freedom to say, cool, I'm gonna do something funny, but I'm also gonna be a smart motherfucker and give you data. And then it's also letting your audience say, oh, he's funny and smart. And then you're also attracting two different audiences to bring in that can merge into that singularity of person that, you know, you're trying to attract, whether it's an other agent's going to refer you or a buyer seller, that's going to be your, your, your client. See, I think it's easier to niche down hard on something because you build an audience better that way, a really engaged yeah. audience. And then once you're niched down and people are watching and believe you and trust you, then you can start branching out once you've niched down. I don't think you, I think you can absolutely get back into a corner, mm -hmm. but I think if you take steps along the way, like us with the podcast, bam, those kind of things that are a little more, they're not just all jokes all the time. People start seeing, okay, they're a little bit more than just the funny guy. And then you just keep sprinkling things in mm -hmm. and then you, you will at first kind of seem like you're backed into a corner, but I think you can sprinkle things in and kind of start making everything a little broader. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, I, I definitely am a guy that like, you know, your niche, know what you do and, and double down and do it hard. Um, but I think if you, and I don't know, cause I don't, I've, I don't have the audience you guys do, but if I did one thing for a, such a long time and everyone started liking that and followed me because of that, and then I started offering other things, I feel like there might be some people that feel slighted and that they would no longer want me because they're like, I subscribe to this guy because I want to laugh. I don't want to learn anything about a fucking mortgage. I'm out. Yeah. Roll, right? I mean, entire... no doubt you you have to yeah. do what brings you to the dance forever. Yeah. That's that's what brought you to the dance. And that's what Eric's done for the last seven years. And yeah, now my, he's branching out. Yeah. The entire broke agent brand for the first five years was nothing but memes and videos and skits and, and that stuff. And then slowly I was like, okay, I have something else to offer. I could, you know, not teach agents, but talk about how to improve your social media mm -hmm. and articulate that in a funny way that's specific to agents. So then I started peppering like eBooks and, but just to my story and everything. You're great. And then everyone. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Download the eBooks link in the description to those. Um, but it, it is you know, doing it mindfully. It's, yeah. it's not all of a sudden making a content shift out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. It's peppering it in slowly and then building up that sort of trust and giving them real, real value. Like if I just said, okay, now here's a $500 course out of nowhere, people would be mm -hmm. like, well, what the hell? I haven't heard anything about this. Like you don't, you don't even know what you're talking yeah. about. Why would I buy a course? But if I start doing eBooks and start talking about it in podcasts and start going on clubhouses and start really kind of evolving the brand, that's when you build that trust. So, so yeah. Question. Seven yeah. years, you, you're doing the memes for seven years, was it? Yeah. Not so just memes, but if yes. you could go back in time 
would you have done what you're doing now sooner? Meaning you're no. offering variety. No, no. Cause he built because the audience so big. He's he yeah, built it so the, big now. Back then it was, a, it was a different landscape too. Humor was not this omnipresent thing that it is now in real estate. Humor was literally the lighter side of real estate and the broke agent. Yeah. And there was no one else on Instagram that was even remotely touching it because in 2015, 16, there was a fear for if I do anything humor related, my clients are going to think I'm a moron. Yeah. So I think the conditioning of the entire real estate audience also happened in that span. Um, but I can't just jump out the back being like a social media guy or a marketing guy because I didn't even know what I was doing yet. Like I had to learn all this stuff. This all comes from experience, right? Mm -hmm. Like I was building the email list back then. I was figuring out how to get more followers, figuring out how to get more engagement, but I didn't know what I was doing at the beginning. This was all trial and error. The thing is, is like you can also watch people who have really done it in the public eye, mm -hmm. like, and you can laugh at some of the, but like, look at Taylor Swift, like what she's done. She was the poppy country girl. Mm -hmm. And then she started, I, I'm a Taylor Swift fan. She yes. started sprinkling in pop music through, you know, more pop, more pop. And then eventually she said, hold my fucking banjo. And she just went all pop with like, you know, the reputation album or whatever. Eric, your fiance would know all the, yeah. all the albums. Um, or even someone like Rob Deerdeck. Yeah. Um, so skateboarder, then went to funny guy on TV. Yeah. And now he's like complete inspirational businessman. It, it can be done. Um, I mean, look at Dan O'Neill right now is, is making a, a pretty apparent transition. Yeah. Yeah. Like absolutely. He, he was he put on some he glasses was, and now he's yeah, like, he put on, exactly. <laughs> he put on the glasses. No, but he, he came back like revitalized um, from a Tom Ferry conference. It was just like, you know, we are entering a new phase in this market right now that just yeah. me doing this funny content. Like I need to be more serious. I need to figure out what's going on you know, with my real estate team, I need to start doing masterminds. I need to start like putting out way more serious educational content. Right. And I think people respect it. Like as, as much as you, you say people might feel slighted, like, oh, the content has shifted a little bit. Of course, there's going to be 10% yeah. of your audience that is like, well, I'm not following this person for this reason, but it's probably people want to see evolution. You, st you start to notice that people follow you for you yeah. more yeah. than just kind of what you're portraying to them. Because if you keep doing the same thing, like if I was not even evolving with memes and into reels, like if I just kept doing the same thing over and over again, just on the broke agent page, people would get sick of that. And I feel like that's even happening now, you know, like you just have to keep kind of changing, trying different styles, adding different music, different captions, that type of thing. Yeah. Then like you said, natural evolution, which is pretty cool. And, and what you were saying, Matt, like people will probably get behind that and, and appreciate it because they're able to see like the natural progression and growth of this person. Um, so it's definitely a really cool, interesting take yeah. on that. And I appreciate you. Like you should see what I'm going to, I'm going to be, I've told this in a lot of my talks, like everything you've seen of me is one dimensional so mm -hmm. far. And I'm just stoked for the next, I haven't even, I haven't even been got started yet. So we got two I'm more, really more dimensions to go or what? Are, we got, <laughs> we got probably like, we're going like 4d, 4d, 4d. Yeah. Wow. yeah. The evolution of Leonetti. The evolution. There's going to be a whole 40. fucking documentary. Documentary. Yeah. 4D. Yeah. Well, Shane, 40. this was a fantastic podcast. Dropped so much knowledge from nuclear yeah. submarines to teams this building to your systems. I love how many systems you have. Like you have a certain day that you're recording all these blocks. Mm -hmm. You have your red receipts on. Like people can learn a lot from your content and learn a lot from this podcast just because you're so dialed and you probably took a lot of that from the navy obviously of just 
how you know uh, calculated you are with all this. So yeah, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. No, appreciate you guys again for having me on and and um, having the conversation and uh, allowing me to to talk more than you guys, which is probably hard for you to do. Very. No, this is yeah. This is the point of the podcast, though. So Shane, where yeah. can the people follow you so they can follow along with all your content? And I know you got a podcast coming up soon, so would love for you to talk about that and where they can find that also. Yeah. So uh, I think primarily we hit Instagram and it's just at my, all my handles are at my name. So it's at Shane Bergman, B-U-R-G-M-A-N. And uh, so Instagram, we're heavy on Facebook a little bit. TikTok, I, you know, my, my video guide goes on there. LinkedIn, we have a good presence mainly because of what Eric said. And I think like, uh, like two or three blogs ago, um, mm. I think you had talked about this, it. Eric. Yeah, yeah, me. Oh, yeah. Wow. Undertapped, yeah, underutilized doing, content. Amount of people versus the amount of content that they're putting out there is a huge delta. Uh, so lots of opportunities, essentially what Eric said. Sweet. Um, <clears throat> I listen. So and then so LinkedIn and then YouTube, which we have on there, and then our podcast is called Impractical Brokers, and um, that will be Jeez. on every. That's a good platform. one. It is a great name. Can uh, I be it, on it, or how does that go? Uh maybe, man. We have an application. Cool. Just check out. You got to uh, like a right. big follower. Basically. I'll submit. I'll submit. <laughs> uh, but that'll be on October 31st. We'll be releasing our first episode. Oh, are you going to be in uh, costume? It's going to be a spooky one. Okay. I love it. Yeah. That's Amazing. <laughs> but thank you guys, man. I, I really, really appreciate uh, both of you. Amazing. Thank well, you. go check out Impractical Brokers as well, because go check it out now, because this is going to be released when you release that Monday, same day, not Monday, Correct. right? Holy shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Here we go. Big. <sighs> love it. Thanks so much, Shane. All right, guys. Thanks, Shane. See ya. The Broke Agent presents Over Ask Podcast.